Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You. I've brought you hundreds and hundreds of successful individuals and I, today I bring you someone who's not just a friend, an industrialist, but a very, very passionate collector of art. Abhishek Podar, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashutosh. Abhishek is the Managing Director of Matheson Bosanke Tea Production Trading and Export. Uh, he's a renowned collector and patron of the arts. He's a founder trustee of Museum or Art and Photography. He's, the, he's on the advisory board of the India-Europe Foundation for New Dialogues, Lincoln Center, and the Lincoln Center Global Advisory Council. Abhishek, what an incredible uh, life you seem to be leading. Tell me a little bit about your early work, and then we'll talk about art. My early work? Well, I was born in Calcutta, did my initial schooling there, moved to Parasia when I was very little. This is where we had our coal mines. Once they got nationalized, moved back to Calcutta, went off to Dune for my education, came back to Calcutta for my college and moved to Bangalore in 1990. Joined the work while I was in college. At that time, I was working with a law firm and a bank and joined the family only once there was a family division of assets from about 1989. Okay. Okay. And, you know, while you were running all your businesses and growing the businesses, you started collecting art when you were in high school. What did you see in art at that stage? I mean, you must have been one of the few people who saw art at such an early stage in life. In school, frankly speaking, it wasn't really art that we saw, but we saw this as a means of getting out from school. Okay. And that's the reason the interest in art peaked. So it's an interesting story, but we weren't allowed to go out into town more than twice a month. Okay. officially uh -huh. and twice a month wasn't enough uh -huh. and if you uh, did go out of town more and you were caught then you were thrown out of school okay. so we had to go out in disguise and in the middle of the night when we wanted to catch a movie or have a drink or get something to eat right we had to find a better way of doing it hmm. and we saw this bunch of guys who were involved with the school weekly hmm. that they would just walk out of the main gate whenever the hell they felt like it and okay. When I asked them where they were going, they were going to see the printer. So we then got permission to do a magazine on art. Mm -hmm. And art was the only subject the school didn't have a magazine on. <laughs> so we, we only said we will produce one issue a year. But we started making regular visits to the printer without even knowing where the printer was. So that really was the interest in art. How and, you, and that's how you discovered so many art galleries and artists, is it? True, yeah, because you know, when it came to doing that, and uh, it was our golden jubilee year, and then uh, my headmaster says that Rajiv Gandhi is going to be the chief guest. He had just become the prime minister, and he was going to launch the magazine. And we said, you know, this is the worst news we could have expected because we weren't even looking at producing a magazine. Then we had to actually work. So I wrote to about 10 of the leading artists of the day. And everybody laughed at me that who the hell is even going to respond to you? Hmm. We, we got back letters from nine of them. Wow. And I went to thank them after the magazine was done just for having taken me seriously. And that's how my relationships with these artists started. Incredible. Incredible. So before I get into you know, what motivates you, for all our viewers and our listeners, can you explain, you know, what is South Asian art, craft, antiquities, including modern, contemporary art and photography? I mean, you do everything. But South Asian art, let's talk South Asian art. And I mean, I also have a reasonably large collection. 
from all over the world. What is South Asian art? Well, South Asian art typically is art made in this region. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's what I grew up with and what I collected. Correct. And that's how the museum that we are now founding yeah. is really centered around art from the region. So it's really all Indian art. But tell me, uh, Abhishek, South Asia has multiple schools of art from Bengal to Gujarat to the North India to Bihar to Orissa to South India. I mean, how, how do you club everything into one thing of saying South Asian art? I've spoken to some artists and they seem to be very clear they want to stick to their own schools. Well, South Asian art is not a school. It's a region and all the art produced in this region and across different centuries. And you're right, there are hundreds of different areas here which have schools uh, which have a distinctive style. And there isn't anything called South Asian school. And, you know, it's, it's difficult for one person to know it all. And I can't say I know it all. I mean, I'm far from knowing it all. There are people who spent lives delving into it and they only scratch a little surface of how deep this art thing is. You know, it's funny that the more you know, the more you realize how little you know. And uh, I, I never felt like this right in the beginning. I thought I knew it all. But today I know I know nothing. So tell me a little bit about the museum that you are starting. So, you know, India doesn't really have a museum going culture. And we also saw that whenever most of us would travel overseas, we would stand in queues to look at interesting pieces of art, even from India in those museums. So why is it that this thing is not happening in our own country? So we said something needs to be done about that. And Partly it was, you know, everybody is just waiting for the government to do it because it really has been the purview of the government. But the government clearly has more important things or they are busier doing other stuff. And this has not got the focus. Today, you would see many more initiatives being taken and the museums are becoming better. But they're still a far cry from what level they should be at. And especially when you compare it to the West. So we said, come on, let us rather than complaining and waiting for the government to do it, let's do it ourselves. And this was really an initiative to change that and become a catalyst in the sector over here. I mean, a country as large as ours, what difference would one museum make? But I honestly believe that every little step can be a real positive step in that direction. And maybe we can just become that catalyst. And that's what we are hoping to do. So we started off by, it's a totally philanthropic project. The family put in the leadership gift of 50% of what the project cost was. And today we have some of the leading corporates and philanthropists from India and even from overseas who've come in and participated in this. We have the Tatas, we have Wipro, we have Infosys, we have City, we have Emphasis, we have Kiran Mazumdar, Sunil Munjal, Dalmias many people who are supporting us. I mean, quite a few. Fantastic. And if, uh, and this is primarily your own collection or now other people's collections are also? So it started off by us gifting about half our collection, about 7,000 pieces were gifted to the museum. But today, that's only a small part of what we have because many others have gifted collections and we've been getting collections even from overseas. Wow. Wow. And how large is the museum? So it's going to be about 40,000 square feet. Incredible. 
and it's bang in the center of town. So we bought the property, which is across the road from the three main museums in Bangalore on the same road. So, you know, Abhishek, it's often been said that you should buy art if you like it rather than what its value should be. Or value could be. What is your thought on that? That's the only way I've always bought art. I mean, when I started buying art, people thought I was crazy. And in fact, some of my friends would say, I still remember there was this drawing of Jogen Chaudhary I came home with and it was, I think, for 600 rupees. Mm-hmm. And they said, uh, you spent 600 rupees on this? Mm-hmm. And he's pointing to his t-shirt. It had that Lacoste mm-hmm. alligator over there. He said, you could have bought this for 1200 bucks. I mean, imagine you wasted half that money on this painting. So I said, well, you enjoy the t-shirt, I'll enjoy this. So it wasn't really too much money at, uh, and good art doesn't necessarily mean it's expensive. Every generation has produced really important artists and those who have seen their work before they become unaffordable are the ones who get better value for what they've spent. I agree with you. So, you know, so someone like you who's been a collector for such a long time, my question to you is, if a young person is going to listen to you and me talking, what should they be looking for to start a collection of art? Is it just an eye for art or is it the money to have the art or is it just to build a collection? What, what should it be? I think the thing you need more than anything else is patience. Mm-hmm. You know, to become good at anything, to appreciate anything, it takes time, it takes patience. Of course, initially you will go for what attracts you, but I think it's not just, it's not that every piece of art that's attractive is good art. And you start making those distinctions, the more you learn, the more you see, the more you experience it. So I think there is no substitute for spending time and really getting into the detail of things. But yes, for somebody who's looking at starting a collection, I think the more time they invest in this, in terms of just reading up, going to galleries, going to museums, speaking to people who are knowledgeable about it, and spending more time with the subject will make them better and better as they go along. And how is South Asian art now getting accepted around the world? I don't think South Asian art was never not accepted. I mean... If you look at some of our great... I mean, you had the Taib Mehtas and the Husseins. No, I'm going right from the past. If you look at even our Chola bronzes, if you look Mm -hmm. at our great sculptures from so many different parts of the country, if you look at the fantastic miniatures that we've done, which ways, I mean, this has been collected by even American and European and Japanese collectors for over a hundred years. Uh, if you're meaning specifically modern and contemporary art, that today also is uh, you know, being collected world over. There's always this thing that the art of a country really flourishes when people from that country start collecting it rather than the Western world collecting it. And it becomes established a lot more when everybody else starts collecting it. So I think the Indians have started collecting it over the last 15-20 years and now you would find important Indian pieces in some of the major museums around the world as well. I think partly it's got to do with India's economic strength also being there because you you don't see 
Nepalese art or Burmese art, contemporary Nepalese or Burmese art in all these museums. And I guess uh, I do not know much about what's going on there, but a lot of that has got to do with because, you know, India is a large country. There are a lot of Indian buyers and people collecting that. So there is some of that dynamics there, but India has produced some amazing modern and contemporary artists. And it's high time that the world is now recognizing it and giving them the view. So, you know, a, a lot of sponsorship of art has traditionally come from the old companies. And when I used to work for ITC for a long time, ITC was a big collector of art. And when it got into, into hotels, it added much more to its art collection. How are corporates now, the, the younger and newer corporates, supporting art today? That's part one of your question. And point, part two is that I was talking to some of the younger millennial uh, entrepreneurs and they say that they just rent art and put it in their uh, offices. So let me try and answer both. There was a particular time when you had Air India collecting, you had TIFR collecting, you had ITC collecting, you had Britannia collecting. And these were the big companies in those days that were collecting. I don't think collecting art is any more a corporate activity. Correct. Even supporting art, unfortunately, has not been a corporate activity. If you look at CSR, which has been mandated now for the last five, six years, right. it's less than 1% of CSR budgets that go towards art, culture and heritage. Okay. Which is 1% of CSR budget. 1% of their total budget goes towards art, culture, and heritage, which is, it's, it's a rounding of error. Yeah. So yeah. Everything is going towards health and education and water. And I'm not saying that those are not needed more than art, of course. But I think the time has come for us to even start looking at our culture, our history, our heritage, our art. And I think this pandemic has also shown that had it not been for art and art in its various forms. Mm. I'm not sure these six months would have passed as easily as they did for many of us. Correct. So I think a lot more support is needed. Mm. And support is not only by collecting it, mm. but by encouraging it, by supporting it, by allowing research to happen on it, by supporting exhibitions that are happening on it, by encouraging artist collectives, by, you know, Artists are the ones who have always been ahead in terms of thought mm -hmm. and how they've been bold enough to express it. And very often they've been condemned and they've been publicly condemned for doing so. And they've had to actually face adversity. It's, it's a choice that an artist takes where, I mean, somebody had said this very uh, succinctly that they are choosing to remain poor mm -hmm. Also, that's not the case in every instance because, of course, there are successful artists. Right. But the passion to do and to create something is so strong that you would choose that over doing anything else. So that freedom of expression which you get as an artist, and if we are not going to encourage that in our society, hmm. that's going to be a sad society. Interesting. Talking about renting art, I think... You know, this is the day when people are renting clothes and handbags and it started off with sharing a taxi ride or a home. But now it's, you know, and there's nothing right or wrong about it. If I can 
not spend that much money and choose to have a painting of my choice for a particular occasion or a party what's the harm with that right. i think that would only create more of a demand mm -hmm. the market will increase obviously with such organizations okay and so my last question to you on, on related to art before i move to a few personal questions how are millennials and the gen z's beginning to change not the art scene from an artist perspective but from a buyer perspective they don't seem to want to acquire anything there are some who don't want too many possessions and i think they're right in feeling that way because it's whatever works for each person right. i mean there there could be somebody who needs a 100 pairs of shoes and somebody else who can do it too now who is right and who is wrong to the person who needs 100 pairs he is right and the one who needs just two he is right right but a lot of youngsters are collecting art okay. and i think they are all becoming house proud and they want to keep a good home they want to live with interesting things they have studied abroad they have seen what art means they have been to exhibitions and galleries and read up about it for some people it's a mere decoration but an art collector also sees it as an investment correct and a lot of them are motivated by that more than they are motivated by just its inherent value hmm very interesting and are there any art valuers around because i was just seeing a, a you know message on one of our ypo groups saying is there any art valuer who can go to your house and value the art i mean and the auction houses generally are the ones who would provide that service so i would say that you don't have an art valuer as a separate one because it's not something that you uh, you know like you needed a jewelry valuation for a wealth tax declaration mm -hmm. but i would imagine the uh, the auction houses would play that role there are some galleries who do that too and auction houses very interesting so you know just as an aside many years ago i had the chairman of a large bank would come home alone to have dinner with me just he and me and he was walking around and he said you know mr garth the value of your art is greater than the value of your house so i said next time i want a loan will you take my art as collateral he said no so he says i i understand what my bank doesn't so. but that has started happening now it has is it okay yeah okay that's it so i wish i had a few questions for you now personally my first question is where do you draw your inspiration from i think from people and the lives that people have led and uh, people who have achieved something people who have been inspiring in what they have been able to do to me a personal story and learning from that person personally become something that i draw from a lot and you know one one learns every day correct i am fortunate that uh, there is something or the other every other day which you interact with and you take home back with you and it's it's an incredible piece of wisdom or something so i draw my inspiration all over the place but from people fantastic my next question is that if you were a role model to millions of children who closely followed you and your life choices what is the one thing you would change in yourself firstly i find that very difficult to believe because i'm not even a role model to my kids Okay, so I don't know. Where, That's why I started with the word "if." Where the millions would come, what would I change about myself? Yeah. 
I think I need to be a lot more patient. And no matter how patient, how much more patient I have been since I was, I, I still know that that's a big flaw. I need to be a lot more patient. I need to be a lot more, uh, yeah, just to listen a little more, just to wait until I, I'm, I'm just too much in a hurry most of the time. Next question is, what does success mean to you? Good question. I think success means is when you can sleep peacefully that night, saying that you have spent a, a truly productive day. Mm-hmm. I don't think I measure success in the completion of one thing because I think it's always a changing goalpost. And you know, success means different things to us at different ages. And even at this age, something that you had hoped to do and once you achieve that, you still are waiting for something else to happen. So you do also realize at some level that that ultimate success never comes. It's the journey and it's how you trudge along that. So I think just to be contented, to be happy, and to feel that you have put in your best. For me, that's success. Fantastic. So my next question is that if you could gain one ability or quality that you admire in someone else, what would that be? There are many things I would like. Mm -hmm. Being able to look at what, to look at anything exactly how it is without being attached to a certain outcome or it's like we, we generally try to go with something that we feel will be beneficial for us. Mm-hmm. And very often that doesn't end up being the right choice. Mm-hmm. So I, I won't say it's being, for, being foresighted enough to see what might happen, but just to see it exactly the way it is without attachment. Okay. That is definitely a trait I would like to get. And my last question to you and relates Uh, to the pandemic since we are all going through it. Uh, How are you rethinking your life in a new world order? You know, funnily, I think for most of us and most of us fortunate ones, what has really dropped off in this period Hmm. has been the bottom 20-25% of our life. So in a certain way, all our lives have improved. Hmm. I mean, health-wise and even though we are meeting much less people but the people we really are missing or the ones we would want to meet are the people who really matter in our lives i think it's given us a lot more time to pause and to reevaluate why we were running around at in circles for no rhyme or reason and i'm not sure how long that realization would remain and once the world goes back to the way it was if we would all still speak like this but i definitely think it's made us all pause and Reevaluate that. Hopefully, some of these learnings would remain and continue in our lives even thereafter. Fantastic. So, Abhishek, thank you very much. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you. I wish you lots of success with the museum, and I hope your 40,000 square feet is replicated in multiple cities with so much more art. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.